The Kiwi dollar is down after the RBNZ held dovishly, and its governor sees global rates on hold for longer. Australian inflation was a bit softer than expected. US consumer spending has been revised up, and Hong Kong just slashed its property taxes. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ commodity strategist Sunny Kamari explains why central banks are buying gold. If this pace of gold buying continues, given the geopolitical sensitivity to reserve assets, we believe this will be a structural driver in the gold market over the coming years. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, New Zealand's wholesale interest rates and the Kiwi dollar fell sharply after the Reserve Bank of New Zealand held its official cash rate at 5.5% yesterday and pivoted away from talk of potential hikes. The Kiwi dollar was trading down 1.3% at 60.89 US cents at 4am Sydney Melbourne time, as markets suggested that change of stance. ANZ New Zealand Chief Economist Sharon Zollner said while most economists were picking the RBNZ to hold, comments that inflation risks were more balanced came as a surprise. What wasn't expected was that they would really back away from their November position that the risks were skewed towards higher inflation and that the OCR would likely need to go higher if there was an upward demand shock. Now, obviously, they still always reserve the right to change their mind, but that latter comment was dropped. And actually, the forecast for the official cash rate was lowered to uh, 5.6%. So that's obviously still higher than the OCR itself at 55 So there's a there's a hint of an upward bias there, but uh, it was lower than in November. So that was interpreted by the market as a pivot, just basically a, we don't think we're going to hike again. We got this. We're confident. Number two, the decision was being watched globally for signs of whether central banks faced with sticky domestic inflation might hike further. Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr said it might just be that rates around the world stay on hold for longer. The RBNZ's new forecasts have rate cuts starting next year. A more general risk uh, to global economic activity and growth is that central banks may need to hold their policy interest rates at restrictive levels longer than what have been priced in markets over recent periods uh, to ensure that inflation targets are met. Number three, the Aussie dollar was also trading down 0.75% at 64.94 US cents at 4am Sydney Melbourne time. Australia's January CPI indicator was below expectations, holding at 3.4% annually. While this indicates downside risk for first quarter inflation, ANZ senior economist Catherine Birch says the monthly indicator didn't cover key data the RBA is looking at the first month and every quarter data, they tend to be underweight services and non-tradables. So a lot of the services and non-tradables items don't have price changes captured. And that's where a lot of the strength in inflation still is. Number four, in global markets overnight, US December quarter GDP was revised down 0.1 points to 3.2%. However, the second estimate showed consumer spending rose 3% instead of the 2.8% initially reported. The S&P 500, though, was flat as traders are really focused on inflation data due tonight. Meanwhile, the Hang Seng was down 1.5% despite Hong Kong removing all its measures to cool its property market that it put in place in 2010, which ANZ Chief Economist for Greater China Raymond Yung says is the right move. 
Now, with the Fed starting to normalize its um, interest rate regime, we will not see a zero interest rate era anymore. Then it is the right timing for Hong Kong to uh, relax this uh, property tightening. Number five, India's economy is expected to have grown 6.5% annually in the December quarter. Supported by momentum in construction, while a poor monsoon season crop could be a drag. ANZ economist Diraj Nim previews tonight's figures. It really is uh, around 6.5%, which would be uh, substantially lower than what the Reserve Bank of India predicted from its models. And this would also mean some downside risk to the government's annual growth forecast of 7.3%. Diraj Nim there. Now, in our deep dive interview, ANZ commodity strategist Sunny Kamari explains why central banks are buying more gold and why that will continue. Well, central bank gold purchases have been the most influential development over the past two years as they have bought ever 1,000 tons of gold for consecutive two years, which is just double of the pre-pandemic average buying of 500 tons. So in terms of demand share, it has increased to 25 to 30% from an average of 11%, which is quite a lot. So if this pace of gold buying continues, given the geopolitical sensitivity to reserve assets, we believe this will be a structural driver in the gold market over the coming years. So which of the central banks have been the big buyers and have increased their buying in recent years and and why are they doing it? Gold buying is largely concentrated in emerging markets and among these nations, Russia, China, Turkey have been the top buyers of gold and they have accumulated nearly 62% of the total purchases in their reserves since 2010. While the reasons behind these central banks buying gold were diverse, uh, Russia buying was more linked to risk of sanction after the annexation of Crimea, while China has got many reasons to add gold in its vault, from trade wars to deteriorating geopolitical relationship with developed markets, and lastly, it's, it's referred to internationalize Chinese yuan. And uh, looking at gold as an alternative reserve asset to US dollar assets and treasury bonds, why is gold becoming more popular for some central banks than, let's say, US treasuries in US dollar form? Well, in the last two years, this is linked to the return of high inflation and the monetary policy responses to curb the inflation. So we have seen the most aggressive monetary policy tightening in recent years, especially by the U.S., which meant large valuation losses on foreign currency assets held by other central banks. And emerging markets central banks hold a large quantity of these liquid bonds in their foreign currency reserves. And gold has emerged as a good contender to sovereign bonds because it is perceived as more stable in a risky environment. The other reason, though it's a bit more peripheral, it's depleted trust in the U.S. fixed income assets and the rising use of alternative currencies. So what we have seen during pandemic, public debt ballooned globally, and this has increased credit risk across the board. And we have seen the deterioration in debt quality of the U.S. because last year, Moody and Fitch, they have downgraded U.S. debt. And that has depleted the appeal of U.S. Treasury as risk-free assets. 
How much more buying could the central banks do? It is difficult to quantify the exact amount because things keep changing. We calculated central bank buying based on a study from the BIS, which suggests 10% is the optimum level of gold share if a country is holding long duration bonds. So we assume emerging central banks like Russia, India, and other emerging central banks to increase their share to 10%, which yield annual purchases of more than 600 tons over rest of the years in this decade. And just to give a disclaimer that this number excludes unreported purchases, which has been averaging around 25%. Uh, so if we consider, you know, 25% in this number, our gold, central bank gold demand estimate is around 750 to 800 tons for 2024. And what do you think this might do to the gold price over the next year or so? Central bank buying is likely to set a strong base for gold demand as it has been in recent years. And these buyings have offset the investment outflows due due to rising interest rate in in the last two years. Sonny Kamari there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Leap Year Day, Thursday, February the 29th. Catch you tomorrow with the latest US inflation data ahead of the FOMC's March 20th rates decision. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.